Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this Sunday. I thank you for waking us up. Lord God, for the strength in our bodies, the wherewithal in our minds. I thank you for the abundance of things you continue to provide for us in the way of clothing, food, a lot of the things that we take for granted, Lord. And I also don't want to take for granted that there may be somebody here who is in need. And if so, I pray that they would make it known and we would be granted the opportunity, the privilege that it is to be your hands and your feet and to help them. But, Lord, we just want to thank you for the myriad of ways that you are good to us and and through us we can be good to each other. Lord, I want to thank you this Sunday for the blessing that is your triunity. I want to thank you for the blessing that you are indeed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And for all that you do, O God, in and through our lives, to the glory and the honor of your name, we thank you. And this morning I pray that as I endeavor to preach and proclaim what it is particularly that you, God, the Holy Spirit, do for us. Lord, I do pray that you would grant me clarity in my communication and my speech. Lord God, that you would grant me conviction of heart, both in me having received this, this, this word and also in, in proclaiming it. And Lord God, that you would please grant all of us ears to hear. And Holy Spirit, your effectual power, that your word and what you want it to accomplish will indeed be accomplished in every heart and mind present. I pray, Holy Spirit, today that you would encourage us, inspire us, that indeed you would welcome us and invite us, Lord God, to sit under your ministry, that we may understand your word as truth from you, about you, for us. And indeed, we would apply that truth with the power that you give us to live it out. May that be the case. Be with our children, be with the teachers who continue to teach them. Lord God, I pray that they would hear truth in ways they can understand. And Lord God, when time comes, you would reap a harvest from those seeds sown, even 30, 60, and 100 fold times that which was sown. Protect them in there. And Lord God, continue to make your name be glorified. Bless those who here, um, are here with us at home. And Lord God, again, may your word accomplish exactly what you sent it forth to accomplish, even in their hearts and minds. We give you the glory and the honor, for indeed you are worthy, O Lord. Amen. And amen. All right, friends, let me ask you a quick question. How many of you would say that you're really good at math? Who would say that? Raise your hand if you're really good at math. Okay. All right. I see we have some prideful people in the, in the house today. Prideful folks. Okay, well... I used to be like you. At one point, I was really good at math. It wasn't uncommon for me going through like elementary school and middle school and parts of high school to get like hundreds, you know, perfect scores in math. I was pretty, I was pretty decent at math. Uh, that was until um, I got to my junior year in high school. And somehow I ended up in the advanced version of Algebra 2 the advanced algebra two class. And I was okay. For a while I was okay in the class as long as there were numbers, maybe a few letters, like the problem had numbers and a few letters and the answers had numbers and a few letters. But all of this went out of the window when a problem that had just a few numbers and a few letters didn't produce a few numbers and the letters. Instead it produced whole paragraphs of these very stupid things called theorems and postulates and proofs. You guys know what I'm talking about? No, 
I, the, you would see the problem, it would be some numbers, and there may even be an equal sign and some other numbers, which I thought once the equal sign was there, the problem was done, but apparently not. And then the answer would be literature. And so they were taking literature and math and putting it together. And, and, um, and that was the point where I was no longer good at math. To say the least, I, I did just well enough to graduate. And so when I went to college, I think they picked up on this. And so they put me in probably the most remedial. Or it was not remedial, but as close as you can get to it and still say that you were in college math. And here I am sitting in this class. It's a pre-calculus class. And um, I'm sitting in there with a bunch of high school students. Uh, who were taking college classes because they were smart. And so in this class, and our teacher, our teacher was a fantastic guy. I never forget his name was Dr. Black. He was an amazing, godly Christian man. Um, really loved them, really compassionate for the students, really cared for us. Um, and those were the good things. The, the, the problem with Dr. Black was that he was extremely brilliant. Dr. Black was extremely smart. As a matter of fact, his job before he came to our school, he, he literally came to our school after retiring because he wanted to just give back. So he, his job before was that he worked with top secret uh, special forces. And what he would do for them is he would help them through math. That's what they call it. They call it math. But through math, he would help them find ships that they could not detect by radar out in the ocean somewhere. So not only was he brilliant, he was top secret brilliant. And I remember the day that I realized that math had left me, that it was no, there was no more math in my future. He was up on the board, and I was, trying to, I was paying attention, guys. I really was. And he was writing out this problem, this equation, one of these uh, novels that he called math. He was writing it out, and he got lost for a second. And when he got lost, he, he stopped, and he, he said, hold on a second. And he started to write out, and he started to divide decimals in his head. No calculator, dividing decimals on the board. And when he finally got it, he turned around and he said, you guys get that? And I smirked, and I looked at the other people like, is this guy serious? And when I looked to the left, I realized that they got it. <laughs> I looked to the right, and I realized that they got it. And then I realized it was just me. Math had just left me. These high school students were killing it. It was just me at that point. And I say all of that to say that I bet that the disciples, those 12 men that followed Jesus for three years, I bet that they felt this way a lot, right? Because they weren't walking with just a top secret genius. They were walking with quite possibly the most, not no, quite possibly, just in fact, the smartest person to ever walk the earth. And I bet, and I know, and the scripture tells us that Jesus said things a lot of times that just went clear over their heads. Sometimes we read the scriptures and we feel the same way. But ironically, this is exactly what Jesus was trying to get them to understand this passage, was that the things that they didn't quite understand while he was with them, right? These kind of dividing decimals, kind of difficult things he was saying. He was telling them that he was leaving and when he left, he would send them the Holy Spirit. And through the work of God, the Holy Spirit, these very hard to understand things would start to make sense to them. They would start to get it. 
This is what he was trying to help them to understand. And this is the main idea of our sermon this morning, brothers and sisters. This is the part where I say, if you don't get anything else from the sermon, I want you to at least get this. If you don't write anything else down for your notes, at least write this. The main idea is this, that understanding God's teaching, along with the ability to live according to that teaching, is ultimately the result of the spirit and not our intellect. Amen? I'll say that one more time. Understanding God's teaching and the ability to live accordingly is ultimately the result of the Spirit's work and not our intellect. And so let's take a a look at our passage this morning, going back to John chapter 6. Right before where we start reading this morning, Jesus had been telling the disciples all kinds of really hard things, right? He tells them, he says, hey, just because you follow me, they're going to kill you, which they do. Right. They're going to throw you out of the synagogues, the Jewish meeting places, which they do. He says they're going to they're going to disown you. Your family members are going to disown you. They're going to exile you. Simply because they follow and they know Jesus. And this part seemed pretty clear forward. But later we'll find that after Jesus says all this and after he leaves the disciples, the disciples really didn't know what he was talking about. Right. They were a lot like me sitting in the classroom scratching my head trying to figure out what the teacher was saying but again the cool thing is this that this is precisely what jesus was trying to communicate to them that they didn't understand now and they wouldn't understand until the holy spirit comes in verse 12 he says pretty much in a nutshell he says i got a lot more to tell you but in reality you can't bear it all right now you can't understand it all right now and let's read what jesus says going back to verses 13 through 15 i'm not sure if you can pop it back up there for me if you can but this is what he said in verses 13 through 15. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And this is where this, the, the, the Trinity comes in. If you missed it earlier, verse 14, he says, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that the father has is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive what is from me, what he will make known unto you. In short, brothers and sisters, what Jesus is telling them is that the Holy Spirit will grant them insight into the mind and the teachings of God. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, will grant them insight into this head-scratching, mysterious truth that Jesus had been trying to tell them. Now, here's the thing, friends. Here's the interesting thing. What Jesus doesn't say is, when Holy Spirit comes, he's going to take you to seminary. Right? He doesn't say when Holy Spirit comes, he's going to give you a ton of thick books and make you write a bunch of papers and sit in classrooms for four to five years, if you're lucky. I don't know many people who finish seminary in that short time. He doesn't say he's going to do that. He says when he comes, he'll make it plain. Now, I say some disparaging things about seminary. I don't have a problem with seminary or or any of these things. Um, I have I have been pursuing Christian education for 16 years now, Uh, right now working on a doctor of ministry. Um, Please continue to pray for me. I'm so far behind on this thing. So please pray for me. But I am still endeavoring. I'm still trugging along. 
But I love learning about the Bible and about God and about theology and all of that. However, what Jesus is speaking about here is not about that kind of mere head knowledge that anybody can get by sitting down and reading some books and sitting and listening to some lectures or some really smart people explain things. This is not what he's talking about. What the Spirit will do for the disciples and by consequence for those of us who have now in our Bibles what God the Holy Spirit has revealed to them is he will provide for us both an understanding of the truth as well as the power to live out that truth. Remember what James says about faith and works in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. He says, I have this up here, he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Brothers and sisters, what this passage teaches us is that the power, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to make our faith, at the very least, better than the faith of demons. At the very least, our faith should be better than the faith of demons. You see, because demon faith, with demon faith, you can know that something is true. With demon faith, you can understand the ins and outs of some difficult teaching. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit to take those things that we know to be true and to apply them to our lives. Now, let me, uh, quick transparency, let me be honest with you for a second. Um, I'm not an easily impressed person. Okay? I'm not easily impressed by big, strong, beautiful, famous people. Um, as a matter of fact, I've been easily offended by them many when I've met them, but not easily impressed by a lot of them. In the same way, I'm not easily impressed by people with a lot of letters after their name. I'm not impressed by people who everyone laud as, as super smart. Drew and I get into this all the time because he'd be like, man, this person's amazing. And I'm like, eh, they're all right. And usually what happens is I have a story of meeting the person. I never forget one time. If, if you're listening, uh, Mr. John Piper, I apologize. But I remember one time he's talking about how great John Piper is. And the first time I met John, I wasn't a great meeting. And so he's like, oh, John wrote this. And I'm like, eh, eh. I love John Piper. I do. But the first time I met him, he ignored me. So I probably shouldn't have said that. But probably shouldn't have said that. But he did. God bless him. But I'm not, I'm not overly impressed by, by, by popular, famous, and smart people with a lot of letters. I, I, I'm just not. But I will say this. There is a certain group of people, people that I've met, that do impress me, and they do intimidate me, and they do, they do inspire me, but I've been intimidated by them. And these are people who, whether or not they're highly educated or highly esteemed or highly smart or any of those things, these are people. Hey, Ronnie. Good morning. 
these are people, the people who impress me or, or encourage me or even intimidate me are people who you can tell they just really love Jesus and know their Bibles. And I think they impress me, intimidate me the most because really and truly, that's the hardest kind of person I find, I find it to be. I find it really hard to be the kind of person that's not chasing a claim, that's not trying to seem smart, that's not trying to be accepted and funny, and to just be okay with the fact that I got Jesus and he got me. Those are the people, those are the people that I look at and go, man, I want to have what they have. This is why I love talking to old Christians, old saints, people who have been doing this for a really long time. Because you talk to them and you get the sense that they've been there, done that with all the impressive stuff, right? They're not really with all of that. All they really need is Jesus. All they really need is some Bible. That's it. They, they're done with all of that other stuff. And that's where I want to be. That's, 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 the, that's where I want to be. Just me and Jesus and the scripture, and just to love others the way he's called us to love us. To do what the Spirit comes to do for us is to understand truth and to live out that truth. That's it. Friends, the Spirit of God has come to lead us into all truth. He is available to us to help us understand the things of God and apply the things of God. But I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, that the reason why we don't understand truth sometimes, or the reason why we don't really believe truth sometimes, or the reason why we see truth, we might even understand it, but choose to reject it, is because the reality is we're searching for something a little more impressive. Right? We're looking for something that's, that's a little more cool with, with the in crowd. When I wrote that, I knew I would sound like an old man, but I don't care, okay? We're looking for something that's, you know, cool, that's, that's how about another old, with it, right? We're looking for whatever is, 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 is the hot movement in the cultural moment, and for that reason, it's hard for us to just avail ourselves of the simple truth. Jesus and his word, knowing it and living it out. Friends, I think that the solution to this problem is to stop searching for the next best preacher. Stop searching for the next, next best teacher. Stop searching for the next, next best book or, the, or the, the, the next best tweet or social media or whatever it is. And just sit under the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Avail yourself of one of the greatest gifts that the Holy Spirit has afforded us, his holy word, the Bible. You see, friends, the scripture is where Jesus is telling us how to respond in unprecedented times. And I don't know if this is a secret to you. I don't know if you've seen the gas prices, but we are in unprecedented times, brothers and sisters. When I went to the gas station this morning and filled that gas-guzzling truck that I decided to get right on the cusp of what's going on now, I needed tons of prayer in the Holy Spirit. Because I wanted to cuss somebody out and break something at the same time. And let me tell you something, we are in unprecedented times. But it's not a surprise to God. And as we look in his word, we will find the means to respond in a way that glorifies our God. In a way that continues to tell the world that there is still hope. 
that there is still hope. It's the scripture, brothers and sisters, where Jesus helps us to avoid the pitfalls of culture. It's the scripture where Jesus helps us to care for the culture and shepherd the culture towards truth and towards healing and towards wholeness. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that will shape us and form us into the people that God has called us to be and to do what God has called us to do. I thought about whether or not to tell this story. I didn't know if I could tell it without tearing up, but I thought it might be helpful for us. Um, Some of you may know because some of you are praying, and I thank you so much for the prayers. Um, uh, Recently, I accidentally uh, spilled coffee on my son, and uh, it burned his hand. It scalded his hand, and it scalded part of his knee. Uh, To say the least, it was uh, one of the most traumatic experiences I've ever had in my life, and I've had a few of them, but this uh, this one was unreal. And I thank you, though, for those of you who are praying, because I sincerely believe that through the prayer of the saints, uh, it was not nearly as bad as it could have been. He didn't need any surgery or anything. And a week and a half later, it's completely healed, perfectly fine. Praise be unto God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. But when he got burnt, we had to every day change his bandage, which was a re-traumatizing experience. We had to clean it with a, with a rag and, 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 and re-bandage it. And during this whole experience, he, he grew dependent on the comfort of the bandage. And even once he was healed of the bandage, I'm not going to be able to not cry. Even once he was healed of the bandage, he kept asking for the bandage. He kept wanting the comfort of the band-aid. And even the, the doctor took his hand and said, Gideon, it's healed. And he wouldn't listen. Friends, we're in a culture where people are clinging to the bandage while there's healing available. And the call for us, brothers and sisters, is to encourage them, to point them towards the healing that is available. Not only that, this whole experience made me consider where is it that God has healed and has offered healing and I continue to cling to the bandage? Where is it that we continue to look for the comfort of the thing that God is already working out for us? Looking for comfort in something else when God has already worked out for us. I, I, out. Maureen, I know I've, I've had fun with her when, you know, um, I had some fun with her when she shared the other day. But she said something that was so point, potent. She said that it was easier to not ask God to do something and not be let down than to ask him and be let down. And the question I have for myself as I've went through this sermon and thought about this is how many of us are clinging to bandages simply because we know that that will provide something for us, but we're not sure that God would do what he said he would. Friends, I think that God is inviting us, inviting us to sit under the ministry of the Holy Spirit and to see that this thing is true, to see that he is indeed who he said he says he is.
and to free ourselves from the things that we're clinging to because at least we know what that'll give us. Right? All that to say that those tears and that story was free. That was an ad lib. And so you're just going to be sitting here a little longer now as I go back to the sermon. But here's the thing, friends. I think that so often we find ourselves ill-equipped and unprepared to deal with the unprecedented times, to release ourselves of the bandages that we no longer need because we have not been with the Spirit. We have not been receiving his insight and his guidance into all truth, both truth understood and lived. And here's another point for us this morning. That if we will know the mind of God, if we will be able to live it out, if we will be able to experience truth as a truly lived experience, what God says really happening in our lives, then we will have to know the mind of God and submit to the will of God. We have to be listening to and submitting to the Holy Spirit. Because insight into the mind of God and the power to live out the will of God cannot be brought about by any amount of mere intellect or hard work. It is the gift of the Spirit. It is the gift of the Spirit that as we sit under his ministry, he makes plain to us the truth of his word and how to live it out. And so here's the application for us this week. There's only one. How do we benefit from the ministry of the Holy Spirit? How do we grow in both insight into the things of God and in living out the things of God? And here's the only point of application I have for us today is that we prayerfully and regularly read our Bibles. Prayerfully and regularly read our Bibles. And I say this because, friends, there is a way to read the Bible that doesn't lead to what we're talking about today, the kind of insight and ability to live out the word that we're talking about today. And um, I've learned this because as I've been pursuing this doctoral degree, we've, we've had to do a lot of wide reading. And I've read some pretty amazing, powerful, and even true things about God, Jesus, the scriptures, salvation, the kingdom, the church, the culture, the future, by people who overtly, admittedly, clearly, are not Christians. People who would call themselves agnostics at best, that means people who don't really know what is right, they, you know, they're open to everything, or at worst, people who are atheists, who say that nothing about God or any of that stuff is true. These people are, I mean, writing whole books of great exegesis, that means like a, pulling apart of the scriptures, telling you about the culture and the kingdom and all that, and don't believe a lick of it. Friends, I believe that these people have what James calls the faith of demons. The faith of demons, an ability to know and know really well some things about God without any of it actually affecting their hearts or their faith. And friends, the way that we avoid having this kind of faith, the faith of demons. The way that we the way that we avoid being like these people is to approach our time with God in his scripture with truly open hearts and without predetermined ideas about how, who God is supposed to be and what he's supposed to be telling us about how we should live. We have to be resolved to let God the Holy Spirit reveal to us what is true 
about who he is and how we're to live. And I believe that the only way we get to this place is by spending time with prayer, in prayer with the Lord, asking him to grant us these kinds of hearts. Ask him to open our hearts to truth. Ask him to help us, to help us be resolved to accept what it is he shows us in, our, in, in, in his word. Spend time in prayer with God, asking him to grant us hearts ready to receive. In the same vein, one of the saddest things I've heard from some believers is that they don't read the Bible because they find it very difficult to understand it. And what I understand from these people is not that they don't read it because they just don't understand it, but often it's because they don't understand it like someone who they perceive to understand it really well, or they don't understand it to the degree that they think they should understand it. But the truth is, friends, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Word of God, the Bible is written for everyone to understand. The Bible is not, is not reserved for people in seminaries or staying in school way longer than they should because they're crazy like me. That's not what the Bible, the Bible is. The Bible is for everyone to understand. Remember that these 12 men that Jesus is speaking to in our passage this morning, remember the Bible says they were unlearned men. Good KG, KJV for you. They were unlearned men. They didn't have seminary. They weren't like Paul. You see, Paul learned from some of the greatest minds and scholars in religious history. These were not those men. These men were just mere fishers and builders and, and all of that kind of stuff. And all that they had to build the entire church that has existed for 2,000 plus years, all that they had was their time with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. To build an institution that, is, that has existed and that has, has, has lived through all kinds of persecution, all kinds of attempts to squash it, these 12 men, all they had was Jesus and the Spirit. I would encourage you this morning to sit with God and his word. Especially if you say, hey, I'm, I haven't read it and because I don't understand it. I will encourage you, sit with God and his word. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart and your mind to truth. Ask him to open and watch how God will cause you to understand and apply more than you thought possible. And this is also the blessing of studying the word in community. Holy Spirit loves to work through other people. You know, I've, been, I've, I've gotten a lot of education. I've, I've, I've sat with a lot of smart people, and, and I've, I've done the, the intellectual battle with other people and, you know, the prideful stuff. I've done all of that. Some of the greatest, most encouraging things I've ever heard about God and from the Scripture is when I'm just sitting down with other faithful believers talking about the Bible. Avail yourself of community, especially if you feel a little intimidated by the scripture. Because the ministry of the spirit is available to all of us. And his ministry is to grant us both insight into his word and the ability to live it out. And we have only to avail ourselves of him. He is present for us. With all that said... 
I understand that there may be some of us here this morning who says, hey, you know, all that stuff, especially that stuff you said at the beginning, Trinity and Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, that's all great. But I don't even know where to start. I'm not even sure where to start with any of that. Why don't we just start with Jesus this morning? Let's start with Jesus. Indeed, that's where we start and where we end. Here's the gospel. Here's the story. Here's what you need to believe, even if you didn't get any other stuff, is this. That Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, he came and he lived the life that we could not live. The life that we did not live. And he died the death that we should have died. And then he rose to a newness of life, everlasting life. And he invites us to share in this everlasting life through only one thing, faith, that we believe in him. Through faith, he forgives us of our sins. Through faith, we are adopted by God the Father. We are indeed called his sons and his daughters. Through faith, even though we die, we will live again. That's the story. That's, that's the big deal. That's the thing. And every Sunday here at Redeemer, we take communion. And what we do is we take this broken, gluten-free cracker, we dip it in juice. And what we're doing is just proclaiming this faith, this thing that we believe, that Jesus' broken body and his blood shed is for us. The forgiveness of our sins, our adoption into the family of God as sons and daughters of Almighty God. And as we take it, it's just another proclamation of our faith. And so if you're here this morning, you said you've never believed that. But this morning, you want that for yourself. All you have to do is believe. And you can take communion this morning. You can take of that cracker and that juice as a proclamation of that faith. We believe that he is mysteriously present in this cracker, in this juice, applying to our lives indeed what he came to live and die for. I invite all of us to do that, but especially if you've just come to believe that and understand that this morning. And so we're going to take a moment now to silently confess sin before we turn to communion. A necessary part of trusting the Lord Jesus Christ is a word that we call repentance. And all that means is simply this. We confess where we've been wrong, where we have not lived the way God has called us to. And we choose to turn from that thing and turn back to the Lord. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing. We do it over and over again. Our hearts are prone to wander. But as you do that this morning, I want you to realize that God's only response to your repentance is forgiveness and love. And so take a moment to silently confess sin. To consider those ways you've turned from the Lord. And take this moment to turn back to him.